right, and we are back for another edition of Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. I am Lee Grant, joined by Kevin Pendergrass once again. Kevin, how's it going today, man? Oh, it's going fantastic, Brother Lee, and I am excited to do a Q&A. We haven't done one of these in a while, and this is a topic, a question that I definitely am going to be able to speak from the heart because it's something that I have experienced myself and something that I have had to work on and am honestly continuing to work on every day. And I don't know if I'll ever truly overcome, but I'm trying to do better. Well, and you speak for me as well, because this is a struggle that I have faced. This is a struggle that I've had to deal with as well. And it's one that still rears its head from time to time, but in large part, I've been able to put it behind me. I've had a lot of practice in putting this behind me in, in a lot of other realms in life that we won't go into today. But this question comes from one of our listeners. It was a topical suggestion that was sent to us just a few days ago. And in this, our listener writes, here's a topic suggestion for something I've been struggling with for several years now during my changing process from legalism. Have you experienced bitterness toward people that are still in a legalistic mindset? I found myself ruminating a lot over a lot of things that have been said from being taught as a child that I had to earn my salvation to being told as an adult that I'm going to hell for my new beliefs. I could go on and on, but how have you guys dealt with letting go of the past and not feeling bitterness or anger towards others, even family members? I think that's an excellent question because what this listener states in this email is something that you've experienced is something that I've experienced because Kevin, you and I have both been told that we're going to hell for what we believe in. And the people that have come to us with that concern and that have made those statements, at least in my experience, no one's been nasty about it. No one's been mean about it. And I understand the perspective that these people had, and that's going to be part of the solution that we're going to talk about. But I get where these folks are coming from. They genuinely are coming from a place of love, at least in their minds, they are. And everyone that has come to me over concerns of this new spiritual paradigm that, that I have embraced and what I feel like is a better reading of Scripture, it's a better application of Scripture, it's one that focuses on Jesus above all else, there are people that are concerned because in that there are certain ritualistic um, methods, methodologies, you might say, that I have left behind that I'm not as convicted on as I used to be. And for that reason these folks who are wonderful people who I know for a fact love me and who I love deeply, they're afraid for my soul. They're afraid that whenever judgment day comes and I stand before God, that I'm going to lose my soul over these things. They believe that I'm going to hell because of this paradigm shift that I have experienced. And I'm sure you could probably say the same thing. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I, I think this is a topic that is so important for many reasons one, because I think a lot of people do experience it. Most people experience it. We can talk about bitterness as a general idea, but we've decided not to do that in this episode based upon the question we received, because I think we're going to be able to talk enough about bitterness within the framework of those of, those of us who have left legalism behind and how we respond to it when we do leave it behind. When I left legalism and I changed my views, I write about this in my first book a little bit, and I really, at that point, 
don't think I really changed for a little while. I was still the same Kevin. I was just on a different side. I My convictions changed, but I didn't really change. And it wasn't until really at least a few years later, two or three years later at least, that I started to realize that, hey, I'm really not being the grace-centered person that I'm claiming to be. I'm believing in grace as far as my theology is concerned, but I'm not showing that grace in mercy. I'm still bitter, and I'm still attacking those who I disagree with. Now I've just sh- I, all I've done is I've just shifted teams. I've just changed teams, so to say. I'm, I'm I was on one ship, and I was firing cannonballs toward those who I thought were quote unquote liberal. And now I'm in the liberal ship, and I'm just shooting the same cannonballs back at where I used to be. So there wasn't a whole lot of difference as far as who I was, just what I believed, and and it there was a disconnect there. And for a lot of people, this happens where, and and by the way, let me say this, because I don't think in the last episode I put in a plug for my new book and I'm, I try to do, I try to do that every book, but honest, honest to goodness, Lee, when I started to read a lot of books written by people who were considered more progressive, some of the books I really enjoyed and other books, it was very hard to stomach. Not because I didn't disagree, but because of the bitterness you could read, the tone you could read in the book. Sometimes you didn't have to read the tone in. It was very clear. They even told you how bitter they were. Um, And I'm thinking to myself, is this really what Jesus wants? Is this really what it means to be a Christ follower? And I think a lot of people end up getting scared off by reading some of that anger and bitterness and they think, ooh, I don't want to go that direction either. So I'll I'll cower back down to where I was before and I'll just kind of stay here because I, I don't ever want to be like that person. I don't ever want to be that bitter. And if that's where that leads, I don't want to go in that direction. And so to me, this is a vital topic. It's a phenomenal question on how can we overcome our bitterness or at least work on our bitterness because it can be a very tough thing. I mean, I felt a lot of guilt and I still do. I still have a lot, a lot of guilt. Um, Pretty much, you know, anything pre 2014, 2015, uh, even some of the things I've said after that, but especially during that time, I mean, especially I would say 2015 and before, man, I've got so much guilt and I have read books. It's something I pray about daily. I work on meditation. There's a lot of things that I've done to help um, work on that. And I feel like I have gotten better. But one of the things that I did when I first started changing is apologizing to people. And I would run down anybody I could and say, hey, I'm sorry. I just want to let you know. I was trying to find everybody that I made mad or mistreated. Um, and, and I let them know that I'm different, that I've changed. And that first book, A Different Kind of Poison, really was my public repentance. It was my public apology to everyone, letting them know I'm sorry, I've changed. Uh, and and I, I, I can't, I can't, I can never make up for what I've done. You know, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs, as people say, but I can do better going forward. But in that process, there were times when I would talk to people and there was one conversation I still remember to this day. And. I just called him up and I said, I, I want to apologize 
for the damage I caused at your at your congregation. And I'd let them know I was just thought I was doing the right thing and, and preaching the way I was preaching and uh, doing the things I was doing. And he said, well, I don't forgive you, Kevin. And he said, and you're going to be held accountable for all the damage you have caused. Wow. And, and I'll never forget that because it made me, first of all, it hurt me um, because I was already hurt um, because I know how much I had hurt other people. I knew how much I had hurt him in the congregation that I was calling and that he was associated with. And so to think it was already vulnerable to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing. But then to hear, no, I'm not going to forgive you. That really made me feel even worse. Um, <laughs> but then that, also, so. then that also made me feel bitter as well. And I think that when you, one of, one of the things that has helped me, we're going to talk about several things in this episode. Uh, Lee and I both are, but Lee, one of the things that, that helped me first of all is to realize my own sin and realize that there is a sense in which there are some relationships, at least here on earth, that will never be built back to the way they were before. And especially if certain people still believe things, now that I have changed, some of those relationships are not going to be possible when someone does believe a line should be drawn and they think I've crossed that line. And yeah. the only way that they see reconciliation or restoration is for me to come back over on that line when there's no way my convictions will allow me to do that. But to be able and even then to say, you know, but I am a sinner and I have hurt people in so many different ways. And especially here's one thing to think about. We're talking about leaving legalism. If you've left legalism, then that means you were once in legalism which means you hurt a lot of people probably when you were in legalism. So I started thinking, well, do I want people to feel bitter toward me? <laughs> like in my past? Well, of course not. And so I then don't want to be bitter toward other people. And that has that has really helped me. And there is a balance. It's a tough balance to try to find to not beat yourself up when thinking about how bad of a sinner we really all are. But to acknowledge that with humility and realize that, hey, you know what? We're all pretty, we're all pretty much pieces of crap at the end of the day. <laughs> and, you know, my I, I'm I'm no better than you as far as as, as humanity's concerned, as far as God sees it, because we all need Jesus Christ. I mean, what what makes what makes me righteous in the sight of God is not me or my actions, it's Jesus Christ. And same, same goes with all of those people that are still caught up in legalism. You know, I don't, I, I had someone, Lee, they emailed me, this has probably been about a year or two ago, and they asked me my thoughts about churches of Christ who still are very much legalistic, very much uh, you know, precision obedience, et cetera, et cetera. And he asked me what my thoughts were. He said, do you consider them erring Christians? I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, you know, I, I think you're wrong. You need to consider them Aryan Christians and you need to condemn them. And I said, well, here, here's the problem with that. I said, yes, the Bible does talk a lot about making sure you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus and not earning your salvation. I said, but these people who I still consider uh, my people, they're Christians. And 
They're people I love. Uh, they're they're my heritage. And they don't think they're earning their salvation. They're not trying to earn their salvation. They have a faith in Jesus Christ. They have a relationship with God. Yes, it looks very different than mine does. And it looks very different than what I think it should be. But they're thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) And so I, I think that's where we have to realize God's grace runs both ways. It's not just for the person who may be more grace-centered and more tolerant and accepting, but it runs the the other direction. And and that's why I'm very careful not to say, oh, I'm now enlightened, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm this just, oh, I'm so enlightened. I'm so tolerant and I'm so loving and all, all those idiots who are trapped in legalism. God, aren't you glad I'm not like one of them? Aren't you glad that I am so accepting of people? I love gay people and black people and everyone who's different than me. God, I'm just such a good person. Aren't you glad I'm on your side? That prayer is still a pharisaical prayer. (laughs) Yeah. And that attitude is still a... And here's here's Lee what what I... This was the aha eureka moment for me. That is still legalism. (laughs) When when I become bitter about those who perhaps influenced me to become more legalistic, and I'm bitter toward them, and I beat my chest saying, boy, God, I'm glad I'm not like them, I am still like them. I am still exactly the very person who I claim I'm not. And that realization really shook me because I'm thinking to myself, I haven't changed. This isn't what God has called me to be. This isn't Christ-like. And so the the first thing when we talk about overcoming bitterness when leaving legalism is it's realizing that we're no better, man. Like we're, we're I'm no better than, than them. Um, I see things differently. And of course, I think that my view now is right, but they think their view is right too. And so I think we have to show that love. We have to show that grace. And it begins with realizing that I'm a sinner too in desperate need of God's grace and his mercy. No, I think uh, I think that's incredibly well said. And I really love how you put that. I mean, you're pretty much your your paradigm hadn't shifted yet. Your perspective on certain doctrinal topics had. And that's really in keeping with my journey as well. Because, you know, you and I, whenever we first reestablished contact, what was that back in 2017 or 2018? 2018? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we first reestablished contact, you know, you were still kind of in the midst of going through that, that change and that deconstruction and reconstruction process. And mine was just really in its infancy of beginning. And, you know, that, that process, you know, you say it took several years it took a little bit of time for me, but you having already gone through that, you were really helpful in helping me overcome some of that bitterness as it would manifest. And I think what you said about being humble enough to realize that we are just as bad, if not worse than what we were whenever we were still, you know, in entrenched within that legalistic perspective on ritualistic perfection you know, it really can this, you know, for lack of a better term, enlightenment can become a legalism in and of itself, because now it's like, look at me, my perspective has shifted so much. And I'm so open-minded and tolerant that, you know, look at just how wonderful I am. It's still very much a self-centered faith in that sense, because, yeah, you know, originally 
look at me. I know the right things about baptism and do baptism the right way. Look at me. I do communion the right way. Look at me. We use the Lord's money for the right things. We don't use it for any unbiblical thing. Only what you can read about in scripture. You know, look at me and how precisely obedient I am to these sets of rituals and practices. And then that perspective can shift, but it's, it's just put on new clothes. It's just put on a new costume. Well, now Look at how open-minded I am. Look at how loving I am. Look at look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And it's still a it's very much a self. Based. It is. It's performance-based. Yeah. It's behavior-centered, and it's still very much a paradigm that focuses on self rather than Jesus. And so, recognizing that we are still culpable, and it's still possible for us, even though our perspective has shifted away from precision obedience and ritualistic perfection to that of a more grace centered approach, it can sometimes that can be legalism masquerading as, as graciousness when in fact it isn't. And that's the first step. Well, and, and let me say this too, because it, this may take a minute for, for our audience to comprehend it. Cause this is something that it, t- it took me a little while to get to, but now there are people who are in what I would consider a very legalistic Church of Christ, who think they're the only ones going to heaven, who think they're the ones who have it figured out, who think they're worshiping correctly, but they have some of the best hearts I have ever met. They demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Even toward me, even though we disagree, there's still that love there. And there is a relationship beyond just the disagreement on information. There's still that relational aspect to it. And they love people the way that they understand they should love people and they show compassion. But we disagree vehemently on some of these quote unquote doctrinal issues. But I still look at them and realize they've got it they've got it figured out right like they may not have all of the that it's 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 not about getting all of the little nuances right they 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 have they're loving people the way that they should they're loving their neighbor as themselves even though their convictions are different than than mine but on the same that same coin different side i know people who have no problem with instrumental music who allow women to speak in their assembly who are social justice warriors, but they treat people absolutely horrible in the name of treating people kindly yeah. <laughs> or kindly. Yeah. They're, you know, I, they're, they're treating, they're going to treat someone in a horrible way because they say you're treating people in a horrible way and you need to treat people kindly. And so I'm going to treat you unkindly because you need to treat people kindly. And in the process of trying to tell them how they should be more grace-centered and merciful, you're showing them, I'm showing them no mercy and no grace. And so that's where we talked about this in the episode where we discussed the fruit of the spirit of love. This goes back to character. It it goes back to that spirit. I would rather any day worship and be around and fellowship someone who may be more legalistic in the way they worship and even perhaps view the Bible and God, but still is going to treat the other like they would want themselves to be treated versus the person who I may agree with theologically, but who is going to mistreat people in conversations. And, and, And that's where I feel like, man, this conversation on 
both sides, the quote-unquote conservative, the quote-unquote progressive right now, it seems like there is so much vitriol. And I've got to be careful not to say, boy, I'm glad I'm not involved in that, <laughs> you know, in the process. But but the thing is, is that, and, and, and I have been involved in so much of that because pride comes out. We want to be right. We think we're right. We want to show the quote-unquote other why they are wrong. But Jesus goes far beyond that. He transcends all of that and shows us how we can even love despite. I mean, that's why I love Dayspring Church Christ where I'm at. I mean, there, there's disagreement there. But, man, there is so much love for one another, so much respect, so much compassion and kindness. Uh, it's, it's just so encouraging to see that on a, on a week-to-week basis. But the point I'm making in all this is that Legalism should not, and I want to say this very carefully, legalism, I mean, I wrote a book called A Different Kind of Poison. So yes, I think legalism is bad, obviously. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think legalism is a poison. But trying to figure out ways to worship different is not the end goal. The end yeah. goal is to figure out how to, because people all the time are like, man, I'm so excited my church is using instrumental music. Quite frankly, I could care less if your church uses instrumental music, man. My goal is not to get churches to use instrumental music. My goal is to get people to love one another more. And I know churches who don't use instrumental music, who who love one another and love others more than churches who do use instrumental music. So, so what I'm saying here is that we have to be careful that legalism in and of itself um, or leaving legalism in and of itself doesn't become kind of this weird idol that no. well, I'm just trying to avoid legalism. Well, it's not about avoiding legalism. It's about loving people more. And as I love people more, I'm less legalistic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's, it's missing the forest for the trees, essentially, you know, yeah. in, in, in jujitsu, a lot of jujitsu students get so focused on progressing to the next belt. That's all they care about. Yeah. All they care about is, is, well, I, when am I going to get that blue belt? I'm a white belt. I've been a white belt now for two years. When am I getting my blue belt? When am I getting my blue belt? And it's like, look, if you quit focusing on the belt and just focus on training and learning jujitsu and being a good jujitsu partner, because promotions, belt promotions in jujitsu aren't just based on your skill on the mat. It's also based on your character off the mat as well. If you stop worrying about the belt and just focus on training and being the jujitsu athlete you're supposed to be, the promotions will come in time. And dude, it's the same thing with legalism. If you are so focused on leaving legalism behind that you're ignoring those weightier matters of the law and you're ignoring Jesus to the, to the effect of just trying not to be legalistic. Well, then the point's been missed entirely. Yeah. Like leaving legalism is not the same thing as loving Jesus. Exactly. But if you love Jesus the way you ought to love him, then legalism will melt away just as a matter of course. And I think what you what we've spent the first part of this episode discussing, it, it's it's summarized really well in this statement. Realize that you can still be culpable in legalism. Realize that even though you have attained a greater level of understanding of the scriptures and you have a better view and perspective on what the narrative of scripture is, that doesn't mean that that cannot manifest itself legalistically. So understand that even though ritualistic perfection and precision obedience is no longer the means by which you're expressing legalistic tendencies, 
and, and make no mistake, we're not accusing the listener that sent this question of doing that. We're, we're not saying that at all. We're just saying, and Kevin's saying from his own experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Legalism, this is all from my experience. Yeah. Man. Yeah. This, this has nothing to do with anybody else, but me as far, you know, I'm not pointing the fingers at anybody. This has just been, it's been a very weird, quite frankly, experience mm-hmm. because, you know, I went from, I still saw an enemy, right? I still had that bullseye of this is an enemy instead of seeing the other as the other made yeah, in, the image, in the image of God. Yeah, it was still very adversarial. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it's combative. I mean, I was still a combative person, and it, truly, the the greatest compliment I can receive is when people meet me. They go, "Kevin, you're nothing like you used to be." Usually, people mean that in a negative way because <laughs> I, they're they're people that they they heard me preach at one point in time, and they still agree with how I used to do things and what I used to believe. But I honestly take that as a compliment. Um, you know, I don't say, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, I, I try to engage a real conversation without being antagonistic. But that is actually one of the greatest compliments that someone can tell me is you're different than who you use. I hope so. I hope I don't just believe differently. I hope I am a different person. I hope uh, so, someone um, accused me of being all about that grace. And they said, Kevin, just all about that grace. And I said, you know, they said all he wants to talk about is grace, 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 mercy, mercy, mercy. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself, yes. And they meant it in a negative way. But yes, please. Like when, when I stand before God, I hope God's like, man, Kevin, you are all about grace, 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 and mercy. But yes, yes. Like, because that's what I want. I want to show that to other people because that's what I want. I want grace, grace, grace. I want mercy, mercy, mercy. I know how much I mess up. I know how many times I do things that I shouldn't do or, or abstain from doing things I should. And so it's, it's getting away from these boxes of, oh, well, I don't want to be legalistic or, oh, well, our church is so much better because we have a female minister or our church is so much better because we do this and we accept this and we accept that. Well, that's good, but in becoming accepting and becoming loving, we need to make sure that we're still being accepting and loving of those who disagree. Now, does it mean that there aren't going to be lines that, that at times are not drawn because I think lines should be drawn. And quite frankly, oftentimes people will draw those lines for you because there's times when there may be a lot of toxicity there and that's not helpful for anybody. Maybe some abuse there and that's not helpful for anybody. But as far as still loving someone, as far as still making sure that we're doing what we can to let them know that they're cared about and they're forgiven and that they have a future and that that we're there for them, it may not be the way that we were before and it may not be the way that they think we should be, but that grace and that mercy is what wins. That's what won me over. People are like, man, what argument? What argument won you over? I said, man, it wasn't one argument. I said, it was the fact that I had lived a lot, not a lie, a life that led to absolute chaos that was nothing close to the fruit of the spirit. It was divisive. It was hateful. It was vengeful. It was prideful. And I, I saw that kind of life. And then I was face-to-face with people who were living a complete different life from me, and they taught me a different way, that's what changed me, is realizing what this grace and mercy looks like. And so when people say, well, what do you say when you're talking to someone who's a legalist? I said, well, first of all, realize that we're all legalists to an extent. But second of all, when you're talking to someone, 
who is still in a framework of, of precision obedience, sometimes you may not need to talk about specifically those conversations. Instead, just be their friend, be there for them, love them, be kind to them. And if they do want to engage and you think it's fruitful, be, be vulnerable, be honest. Don't try to act like you have all the answers. Tell them your experience. Tell them why you changed. Engage with them as a human. Well, dude, and, and there's that's definitely something that I want to comment on because there's a really interesting story that I think people will appreciate. But one of the things that you said just a few minutes ago is that accusation that was leveled against you. Well, Kevin's just all about that grace, you know, which is a playoff that's all, all about that base, no trouble, of course. But, you know, Kevin's all about that grace. You see, guys, I'm still with it. I'm still hip. Yeah, I'm almost 40, but I'm still hip. Anyway, but, you know. It, it's it's so easy whenever someone levels an accusation against you like that. You know, you look at your life and you see where you were. You see how toxic your perspective used to be whenever you were entrenched in legalism. You see how mean you were to people and how unkind you were in expressing what you believe the truth to be. And you cringe at that. And it's hard to forgive yourself for that. And when you finally get to a point where you have forgiven yourself, and you're happy to see how far you've come, you know, and you're proud of yourself, not in a prideful, puffed up way, but you're happy to see, man, I really have changed. I really have shifted my perspective. And then someone says something like that in a derogatory way, you know, for myself as a chiropractor, a lot of people don't like chiropractors. A lot of people say chiropractors aren't even real doctors and all that other stuff. So you get thick skin. They're a bunch of cuckoos. Yeah. A bunch of kooks, a bunch of quacks, you know, (laughs) but yeah, you learn how to let stuff like that roll off your back. But dude, it can be really, really hard whenever you've come that far and someone takes everything that you now represents and distills it down into a derogatory, sarcastic statement about how, oh, well, now you're just all about that grace. It's easy to become bitter towards people with that predilection. It's easy to become angry at those people. And for me, and this may be a branch of bitterness, I I'm, I'm wonder what your thoughts are on this, but it's easy for me to become incredulous at those people. You know, whenever people start, like there are some people that I know of through other conversations I've had, it's gotten back to me about how when we first started this podcast and we were discussing some of the topics that that we discussed, like about how, you know, I think it was episode number two or number three, will there be only a few people in heaven? You know, people saying, oh, well, you know, Lee and Kevin, they just got a lot to say, but they're not really saying anything of substance. He just, he's got that, that gift of gab and that's all that he has. He can just string words together and all this other stuff. And I remember being upset about that. You know, I remember that really getting to me. And I know for me where it's been hard for me to overcome bitterness, I guess you could say it's bitterness masquerading as incredulity because I just become incredulous. I get frustrated. And it's so easy for me to get frustrated in, in, I want to say it doesn't frustrate me when people disagree with me because I can understand why they disagree with me because I used to be them. Yeah. So I get where they're coming from. I mean, I understand that that's not a problem. What frustrates me and you and I, brother, we've talked about this loads over the phone and, and off the air. But what frustrates me is whenever my perspective or viewpoints are misrepresented mm-hmm. yeah. and caricaturized. And basically, I'm told that I'm, well, you're just going to hell. You don't really know anything about the Bible and all this other stuff. It's like, 
what in the world do you mean? Like, where do you come off saying that? It's, it is easy to enter back into bitterness. But one of the things that helps me, number one, is understanding I know why they think the way they think because I used to think that way too. Yeah. And if God loves me in spite of that flaw, well, he loves them too. And one of the things that you just said, and, and I'm circling back around to that now, is showing Jesus to people is so much more powerful than telling people about him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I can tell people things about God very easily. You can learn a lot of things about God, but until you show God to somebody, until you show Jesus to someone with your love, that goes further than all of the debates and all of the uh, uh, logical dissertations and and syllogisms and everything else you could write. Because, dude, it wasn't an argument that led me to this. I mean, different perspectives on different doctrines ultimately started me down this road. Sure, But yeah. what ultimately led me to realize how important relationship is and how important love is and what allowed me to begin letting go of that bitterness was the way people treated me. Mm-hmm. It was seeing that manifested in, in themselves. And then if I can manifest that same thing, well, that'll help too. And there's a story. There's a, a blues guitar player. He's still alive. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. There's been a lot of articles written about him. You probably have heard about this guy. He's a black blues musician. And he has personally led over 200 people to leave the Ku Klux Klan. Over 200 people to leave the KKK. And I don't know if you've heard of this dude. If you haven't, I'll send you a link to some of this. But the well, I don't way think I he, have, no. you haven't heard of this, oh, dude, I mean, as as hard as you have ramped up against racism, you know, in on your blog and on some of the conversations we've had here and the private conversations that we've had, I figured you'd know about this guy and his name's not coming to mind, but I'll, I'll send you a link and I'll include his name in the show notes. But he's a blues musician and he led one of the grand wizards in the KKK or one of the grand dragons, or, I mean, he's led high ranking members of the KKK out. And whenever they leave the KKK behind, they give him their hoods and their robes. And he has over 200 of them. Wow. It's wild. And the way he did it was not by telling them how racist and how evil they were. He didn't jump down their throats. The way he did it, he befriended them. He became friends with people that hate him. He became friends with people that view him as little more than just a high functioning primate. They view him as subhuman. They view him as the scum of the earth. They view him as a descendant of Cain bearing the mark of Cain. They view this man as, you know, less of of less value than a dog. And what did he do? He befriended them. He showed them kindness And whenever they saw that, over 200 people have left the KKK as a result of his work. That's awesome, man. Oh, it's incredible. And, you know, the first step of of letting go of that bitterness is realizing our own culpability and our own ability to become bitter. Mm -hmm. Because it's easy to become bitter against people that hold that seed of bitterness towards us. But being Jesus to others can help them release their bitterness and that in turn helps you release yours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and taking personal responsibility, I think it helps a lot too, because it's easy to blame people for your past and you know, look at, okay, if I didn't have this mentor or if I wouldn't have been raised this way by my family or if I wouldn't have been told this by my preacher, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to point fingers. And I think sometimes bitterness is a manifestation of not wanting to take responsibility for our past actions because it's, it, it is easy to be bitter um, about certain things, but I realized that what I did was what I did. I mean, I made those decisions. Nobody ever held a gun to my head. Those were convictions I once held. Now, had I been in a different environment, a different culture, surrounded by different people, maybe I would have believed something different, sure. But ultimately, I still made those decisions to believe that for many years. And so just taking that responsibility to say, this, this is where I came from, this is what I did, but I'm not going to take that out on somebody else because it's still what they believe. And also, as you pointed out, the way that just, just continuing to circle back around to showing people love, grace, and mercy. And there are the, the accusations, the main accusations today that oftentimes people still throw at me. Um, one is, well, several. Um, that are just completely off base that are just ridiculous is that, well, Kevin quit for so that he can make more money, which blows my mind because I can honestly say as of right now, I still have never been able to make in a year the amount of money I was making when I directed the gospel of Christ. And my wife and I own our own business. I'm still not making the kind of money I was making when I worked with the gospel of Christ. So when I hear people say things like that, it just blows my mind. And it's like, going back to what you were saying, that is frustrating. I don't really get yeah. bitter. It's just frustrating because, you know, you, people can say Kevin believes these things and because he believes these things, he's. I think he's a false teacher. But when someone just completely misrepresents the truth, in fact, I want to read you a review on Amazon someone left me. Well, as you pull that up, I just want to say, man, if left unchecked, that frustration, unless it's dealt with biblically and appropriately, that frustration can begin to plant that seed of bitterness. And it's easy to let that frustration evolve into bitterness. And so you really have to be able to express that frustration in a healthy way. And there's nothing wrong with expressing your frustration. Jesus himself did it. Paul did it in his epistles. You can express your frustrations in a way that honors God. You can sound off and be a sounding board to people. I know you have expressed those frustrations to me before that you've had. I've, I have definitely expressed mine to you. I mean, we've had plenty of conversations. I'm sure you've rolled your eyes several times and I've wore you out no, man, <laughs> on more than one occasion. But it's, but it's, it's natural to be frustrated and it's okay to express that. But we have to safeguard our hearts against it that we don't hold on to yeah. that frustration and allow it to take root. So no, go ahead. Sorry. No, exactly. And that, and that's why it's so important that letting go letting go of that control. So so this review I'm about to read is from someone who I have never met in my life who did not read my book. And and by the way, that's very frustrating when people write a review about my material when they have not even read it. And and I, Lee, I think I may have brought this point up, but when my first book came out, it came out November 2018. Prior, about a month or two prior for the book coming out, someone wrote a review thanking I had already released my book. And they went into detail about what all was wrong with my book. <laughs> That is hilarious. And, and it talked about subjects that 
were not, well, first of all, my first book, I do not even mention the phrase Church of Christ. It's never, and I purposefully did that because I did not want to hurt the Church of Christ. The enemy is not the Church of Christ. Um, So I didn't want it to be a Church of Christ bashing book. I I was very careful. In fact, I had a friend of mine who was very conservative read the book first to give me his thoughts on it and and he you know to make sure because I I want to I don't want to come across that way at all. So when I heard that this guy, you know, is putting a review out of my book before it's even released and he's going into detail. He said Kevin in his book says you can do anything you want to, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And someone made the comment, you know Kevin has not released his book yet. And within about 1 minute the whole thing was deleted. <laughs> But not, but not before people took screenshots and sent it and said, you know, what do you think of this? I said, well, that, you know, I don't know what to, th- it's just dishonesty. And I said that, that to me is so sad that, that someone is willing to go to Someone's the- willing to lie, but they're but, essentially lying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And cause I mean, they didn't read the book. They couldn't have read the book. And uh, so I'm very guarded when I'm, when I'm, you know, before I put the book out about who gets, you know, gets to read it and things of that nature. So, but this is, and only friends or those who I'm having review, you know, peer review are the only ones who are able to read it. But this is a, a review by someone who, and I say he didn't read the book. It's I I'm assuming he didn't because of the accusations he made. Now this, this was a review, you know, released, well after the book was out. But this is what he said. He said, The Church of Christ was not and is not what Kevin envisioned. Kevin worked with and was a part of a group at the Gospel of Christ that claimed to be the Church of Christ, but was not. After Kevin had tried to live the life of a hypocritical preacher, jumping through hoops for his brotherhood, Doug Boast and others, he turned and is trying to disperse and destroy an institution that he was never a part of to begin with. Now he goes on and I'm going to read the rest, but I don't even, that's have a, bizarre. Well, well, here's the thing. I don't have a clue who Doug boast is or Boo boast, <laughs> boast. I don't even know. I've never even heard of this guy. That's and insane. So, so then he says, Kevin hates the Lord's church, but he does not even know what the Lord's church is. He believes he left the church of Christ, which by the way, I, I was going to a Church of Christ when I wrote this book. I'm still going to a Church of Christ. It's, I mean, this shows this guy has literally no idea what he's talking about. He says he believes he left the Church of Christ, but the group he left was the same group of Pharisees that the Lord condemned. I, too, would have grown to hate the Lord's Church if I thought that the people at the Gospel of Christ and today's brotherhood was the Church of Christ. I pray Kevin will someday learn the difference between the group he left and the true New Testament Church of Christ. Kevin left a group and has turned and is trying to destroy that group because his ideas did not fit into their beliefs. But Kevin misunderstood what he learned to hate was not the Church of Christ. He is mistaken as the French people were about the Catholic Church being the Church of Christ when they burnt all the Bibles and killed their king and queen. Kevin is trying to burn all the Bibles and kill the people he believes are Christians because they hurt his feelings. But the Church of Christ is untouched by his fierce blows and bitterness. The book Kevin wrote missed the mark because he does not know what he is shooting at and is hunting in the dark. So I wish our audience could see the video that you and I are using to, to look at each other so that they could see the look on my face, dude. I'm not like, what? Dude, that's insane. That's insanity. <laughs> well, 
Okay, so you read this, and I, I don't even know who this is. Uh, I don't know who Doug Boast is. <laughs> and I'm certainly not trying to kill people. And I'm certainly not trying to burn any Bibles. And I'm still a part of the churches of Christ, albeit a part that he would say he would, you know, disagrees with. But when, when you read stuff like this, and we're going to have someone come on our program to talk about media literacy, literacy as well and, and um, how to to decipher data. Yeah. Yes. And understand the way that we're receiving information. But the problem with this is that people read these types of things. And, you know, on Amazon, seven people found this review helpful. And, and, and it's, it's the lack of critical thinking that oftentimes goes into some of this criticism that can make me frustrated and if I'm not careful turn to bitterness but that really for a while now I've not struggled with that and in large part because I try to put myself in that person's shoes you know I don't know what this person believes I don't know the perspective that they're coming from this guy may have a misunderstanding of who I even am um you know he someone may have told him to write this review I don't really know all the specifics, but I try to give, in other people's defense, the benefit of the doubt. And I, I, I do my best to try to think, okay, what's in that person's mind to have caused them to say something like that or whatever it might be? And that's where it's so easy to bite back and it just turns into a mudslinging contest of, okay, who can hurl the most, you know, I, I could say, man, this, you know, this, you're such an idiot. You don't have any clue what you're talking about, dummy. And you're going to go to hell for lying and misrepresenting me. You need to repent right now, man. Yeah, I, I sure. I could say stuff like that, but is that Christ-like? Like, is that how I should view him? Is that, is that going to accomplish anything? And so I love the story you told because it goes back to getting to know people yeah. On a personal level. And, and his name was Daryl Davis, by the way. Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis. And he's a blues guy, huh? Yeah. And yeah, I'll post a link. So, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, I was just saying being able... When, when you are shown hate, to show love back is the strongest tool in your arsenal. And yeah. when people... And, and by the way, oftentimes... If, if 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 you are in a situation where where someone is throwing a lot of vitriol your way and you're hearing that they're they're sometimes using that as a what I have found because by the way I did this myself it's a defense mechanism sometimes to be able to try to get you to come back so that they can point their finger and say ha see I told you he's exactly who I thought he was. And yeah. that's why it's so important to rise above it. And you know what? You're not always going to. People aren't, I'm not, I don't always do that. There's a lot of times I fall short for sure. I'm like, man, I didn't handle that. There was a time when I went in knowing this preacher was wanting to debate me. And I was like, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to fall for it. And 30 minutes in the conversation, man, I was in there just, just You're rope it. Dope. I was, yeah. I was giving it to him, man. I, I, you know, telling him how ignorant he was and he didn't understand the con. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I blew it. I absolutely blew it because in his mind, I was an arrogant guy who was now enlightened and I was going to go in there and show him that's not true. But I, instead I, I proved to him. That you were an arrogant guy who was enlightened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He <laughs> thought I was enlightened and knew everything. And so 
this is, I think, such an important conversation to have because it just falls under the umbrella of treating people the way you want to be treated and forgiveness and grace and mercy and all of those concepts that encompass what it means to be a Christ follower. And this is true, honest to goodness, this is one, we joke a lot about social media. This is one reason why I'm not on social media because I feel like people are misunderstood so much on there and it's so hard to be clear. You know, I, I was having a conversation with someone. I said, no one ever says, I was reading on Facebook the other day and I changed my mind. Um, you know, that, that, that phrase hardly ever, you, you don't really hear conversations start that way because most of the time people get more aggravated and frustrated. Although I understand good conversations can be had. I think that, um, I, th- I think that our group on there, it, from what I hear, does a great job of that. But, but by and large, it can be so easy to simply see information and forget people. Yes. And what I try to do is look at the person. I try to humanize them. And I try to think about even this guy. You know, this guy probably has a wife. He has a family. He has parents. He probably has children. This guy probably likes a lot of the things I like. And 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 I, I try in my mind to humanize people. Yeah. And when I do that, I realize that we're not that, we're really not a whole lot different from one another. Well, and dude, what you just said is exactly, brother, that's exactly where I was about to go because in, in our own minds and in our own lives, we're the central player. I mean, yeah. you know who you are and you know what you struggle with. You know the doubts that you have, whatever they may be about anything. I mean, they could be, you know, doubts in, you know, the direction the current administration's going in the country. It could be doubts about where the stock market's going to end up falling. Well, should I, you know, pull my money out of this crypto and put it into this? Should I start investing in index funds? Oh man, what's going to happen? You know, for me, it's like, what about my kids? How do I know I'm raising my kids to be good people? You know, how do I know that I'm really, you know, giving my wife the life that I want her to have and that she deserves to have, you know, how do I know that I'm doing all this? How do I know she's happy there? How do I know my office manager is satisfied, you know, working with me and working for me? You know, you have these doubts. What about, you know, the nature of scripture? What about the existence of God? If we want to go big, what about, you know, the nature of origins or how Genesis is to be read and blah, blah, blah. You know, you think about all the things you struggled with. And I think about the things that I struggle with and that I've had a tremendous degree of anxiety over and, that will color oftentimes how we treat other people. You know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, getting hangry sometimes, you know, Keith, my, my youngest boy, he's five, five and a half. And dude, he's a chip off the old block. That kid is ornery as all get out. He has got the silliest, most ridiculous sense of humor. And like me, he can get hangry. Yeah. If he, if he doesn't eat at the right time, he'll get angry and he'll get upset. Well, what happens if I'm hangry? It gets, if I'm having a hard day, if I'm having a hard time, if I didn't get very much sleep the night before, and when I've been, whenever I was going through, when I was in the real depths of, of my paradigm shift in terms of faith and spirituality, you know, there were a lot of days where I woke up and it was hard to get out of bed. It was hard to put, you know, put my pants on one leg at a time and get shoes on and get out the door and come to work. And I love what I do. I'm very fortunate to have a job and have a career that I genuinely love. I love what I do. But in the midst of that, there were days where it was hard to come to the office. 
There were days that it was hard to show up and it was hard to be here. But once I was here, I'm putting that smile on my face. I'm being my normal, upbeat, happy-go-lucky dude. I'm talking to my patients, taking care of them. And whenever you're in a state where maybe you're hangry or maybe you've been dealing with a paradigm shift or you've been going through that, that dark night of the soul, you might say, it's hard to front. It's way harder to front. And then when people leave, it's you just you take that mask off, you cast it aside. Realizing that I am a three-dimensional picture of a human being, we often don't view other people in that same light. We don't look at people through that same lens and realize that person is not just some person. They're more than the sum of their convictions. They're more than the sum of their ideas. That person is an imager of God. And they have struggles that they're wrestling with too. They have problems that they're facing and dealing with. You know, maybe, you know, they're dealing with financial troubles while I'm dealing with relationship troubles or you're dealing with spiritual issues or this person's, you know, dealing with the, you know, the death of a close family member or sickness for themselves or whatever the case may be. We oftentimes don't give people the same leeway that we give ourselves Mm -hmm. whenever, you know, it's easy for me to justify snapping at my kids because I haven't had enough to eat that day. My blood sugar is low. I'm cranky. I'm starting to go into ketosis and I don't want to be in ketosis. I don't want to do the ketogenic diet. <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to say, oh, well, I'm hangry and that's why I'm getting on to you. But we don't give people that same grace when they snap at us. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing that everyone's a three dimensional person and everybody is the star of their own show. And in some, in some, of those shows, I'm a supporting character. In some of those shows, I'm a co-star. And in some of those shows, I just have a bit part mm-hmm. in realizing that that person is a three-dimensional person that struggles the same way I do, but maybe it's a different kind of struggle. That has gone a long way for me in not becoming bitter towards those who demonstrate vitriol towards me. And that has been incredibly helpful for me. Yeah. And whenever we realize that that's the case... And one of my, it's funny because in Sal, you know, we talked about this with Sally just in passing towards the end of the episode. I was talking about how I still struggle with road rage. I was talking to one of my patients about that before Kim and I went on a little road trip once. And he was like, man, I used to get road rage too. But what I did was anytime someone cuts me off or brake checks me or thinks I'm going too slow or throws me the bird, I think, you know, I wonder what they were dealing with today. You know, maybe, maybe their daddy died. Or, right. you know, yeah. or, or maybe they just, yeah. maybe they just lost their job. That person probably just lost their job. And you know what? I'd probably be that upset too. And he said, it did me a lot of good. And dude, I did that. And I need to start doing that again because the last time we went somewhere, I got break check. Made me mad anyway. Um, <laughs> well, no, but no, whenever no. I did that, I had no road rage on that road trip and just giving people yeah. grace and extending that grace, brother. That makes all the difference. Yeah, well, it's perspective, and yeah. this goes back to what is love. First Corinthians thirteen, love believes all things, and it just means that you know that means in context, love believes the best. It it assumes the best. It starts from a position that I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and yeah, that that's the same thing. I used to get so upset when I would go to a restaurant, and if the server didn't do a good job, if if she took a long time, or if he took a long time to bring me my drink, or whatever it might be. It, I would just get so upset and in large part, cause I'm thinking I'm paying all this money and you know, you're not paying like $3 for this drink. Well, why are you not refilling it for me? And, and, uh, 
you know, it's ruining my meal. And I mean, I would get so upset. And and I now have started to tell myself stories, just like what you're talking about of, okay, well, maybe this person is, is struggling with relationship issues in their life. This person may be struggling with depression or anxiety. Uh, this person may not even want to be here right now. Maybe they lost a family member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just like what you said, your friend told you, that's what has helped me a lot in these situations to tell, tell myself this story. And people say, well, you don't know that's true. No, I don't know it's true, but it's a lot better because I'm going to tell myself a story, by the way. We all are going to tell ourselves a story. If someone cuts us off in traffic, we might tell a story. Well, they're an idiot and they don't know how to drive. Well, that's a story we just told ourselves. <laughs> so we're, we're yep. going to tell ourselves a story. So why not tell us? And by the way, the amount of anger you have when someone does something to you in the car, like, they don't feel any of that like that, you know, that, that doesn't affect them at all. And usually, you know, they may get, you know, if they're the other day, well, we were in Memphis traffic, uh, we were going back to Alabama. It was like five o'clock, you know, five lanes. And I mean, it was insanely busy and there was this, everyone was, it wasn't bumper to bumper, but I mean, it was, it was moving pretty slow. And there was this one guy who, I don't know where he thought he was going, but he thought he's going to figure it out. And I mean, he was driving like an absolute maniac. And I'm thinking, in my mind, I can get upset about this. But by this point, he's already, you know, five, six, seven cars ahead of me. I'm never, I'm not going to see this guy again. He doesn't know what I'm thinking. He probably didn't think about me for two seconds. And so in those situations, I think it's, it is good to tell ourselves a, a story that's going to set us up to not only see others as humans, but also to make sure our blood pressure doesn't go up and we don't get angry and mad and, and things of that nature. But all, but I think when family, because I didn't want to end with this real quick, I think when family's involved, it is a lot more difficult, our, our former friends, because sometimes you know the story and you, you, you can't tell a story that, you know, you can say maybe because you actually do know all the story. And Thankfully, I have had and still have very supportive parents. They were, they have always just been supportive of me as a person. Um, they love me unconditionally. I see the love of God and I understand the love of God through, through the eyes of my parents, because, meaning that I see, I, I can understand what it means for a parent to love because I, I had that. And I can know what it means to be loved unconditionally because my, my mom and dad do that. They loved me when I was doing my debates and acting a fool and acting crazy and telling everybody they're going to hell. They love me now that I'm telling everybody they're going to heaven. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, they've, they've always had their convictions and oftentimes we disagree on things. But that has never hindered their love for me. And in fact, as we've grown older uh, together, we, they've always, you know, we live a long ways from each other, but we talk all the time and we love each other. And I, I say all that simply to bring it back to the fact that it is a little bit harder for me sometimes to understand the difficulty of people who do, do, who do have those insults hurled at them from their own family. Because personally, I have never experienced that, but many of my friends have and I know you have too. Have, I have, ex yeah. have experience in, in you know have experienced that, and that is something that I think is extremely difficult because family and friends, man, especially family, they know how to press those buttons. They know exactly which ones to press, and 
you know, I wanted, I just wanted to see if, do you want to talk maybe just for a few minutes about that? Because I think the question, I think he may have brought up family a little bit, but I do think that that is a little more difficult to work through because that's on a whole nother level. So since that is something you've experienced, did you want to give any advice or just some of your experiences on that? Well, it's, it, it's odd because I've never really felt bitterness towards family for that reason. And specifically it'd be my in-laws. Yeah. I love my in-laws dearly. I love my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, brother. They are some of the most godly people you will ever meet in your life. They are some of the most wonderful people I have ever had the privilege to know. And they're just, they're wonderful people. And I've had good conversations with my father-in-law and, and even in the process of this, of this faith journey, I know that he's had concerns. I know that he worries and I appreciate that because I know he loves me. Yeah. And even if, even when I'm not going to say if, because they have, we have had conversations and they have gotten heated, but they've never been bad because we both know where we stand with one another. We both know that we love one another now with brethren in the church, in the one cut branch that I came out of, that has also largely been the case, but there has been a small subset where that has not been the case. These people have been less than gracious, Yeah, but being homeschooled kind of inoculated me against that because being homeschooled during an era when, because right, I mean, homeschooling right now is exploding. It's, it's a huge thing now. It's bigger than it's ever been. But whenever I was coming up, it was still a novel concept and we grew really thick skin in that. And I've always been kind of thick skinned anyway, in, in terms of that, if someone, if, if someone that has always been, and, and I'm trying to think of how I best want to say this, but if someone has always been at the point where they have always been judgmental and they have always sought to engage in fault finding, mm-hmm. I just, I've never cared about their opinion. And in order for me to be hurt or for me to be bitter towards someone, I have to care about what they think. And I just don't care about what they think. Like it, it, their opinion means nothing to me. Yeah. So it's hard for me to really relate to that. But one area, and, and this is an area that I haven't struggled in and I want to shift gears for a second if I can. And I don't know how much time it'll take to talk about this, but it's our podcast. We can talk however long we want. Um, but I want your perspective on this because this is also something I've never really struggled with and I don't really know what to make of it. Um, but one of the things that our, our listener asked about is how do you let go of bitterness over the concepts that you have been taught or against the people that have taught you certain concepts? Mm -hmm. You know, he said, I found myself ruminating over a lot of things that have been said from being taught as a child that I had to earn my salvation, being told in as adult that I'm going to hell for my new beliefs. So there are a lot of people. Um, one of the things that I have been on is uh, Reddit. There's an ex church of Christ sub on Reddit that, that I've been a part of that I lurked on for a while. And I finally created an account and I've engaged on that platform. But what a lot of people that have been members of the churches of Christ have expressed their own bitterness towards is the indoctrination they received, the belief system that they inherited and the legalistic paradigm that was foisted upon them that people refuse to let go of. Yeah. And it, we've talked a lot about releasing bitterness and some strategies that people might be able to utilize or different mode modalities of thinking that people can utilize to get past their bitterness towards other people. But how do you release bitterness against the paradigm itself that you inherited and possibly even the people that, that foisted that paradigm upon you? How do you do that? 
because I understand why I believed what I believed. I sincerely believe that it was true. And I've never been bitter towards that belief system. And I've not been bitter towards the people that held that belief system. There has been some frustration. And I will admit there has been some bitterness against those that have been really, really adamant and have come down upon me. But but I've learned since to release that. But I've never been bitter towards the paradigm itself. So I mean, so I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that, man. Yeah, that's a good question. So I have thought about that a lot. And first of all, I would say whoever has taught you or me or anyone, the individual who asked the question, always assume it came from a good place. Always assume that they were doing what they thought was the best thing at that time. And because, because what ends up happening is when we come out of a legalistic system, there is tendency to attribute some sort of ill will toward those who taught us as if they were trying to, you know, almost just dupe us into to seeing things a certain way and, you know, haha, they got us. That's not the way it is at all. Those individuals thought they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And I parallel that to times in my life when I look back and say, I was doing what I thought I needed to do at that time. Even though now I may think it's the exact opposite of what should have been done, I can still look back with grace and compassion and say, yeah, but at that time, I did what I thought was best. And most people... In fact, pro- maybe even all. I, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's a few bad apples out there, but I would say probably just about everyone who's out there teaching these different forms of legalism are doing it because they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. And yeah. so, first of all, that's what I would say is understand, assume that it's coming from a good place, and and second of all accept responsibility for believing it. (laughs) You know, this is that, that is what has helped me. I am a big, you know, I'm a big Alabama football fan. I love Nick Saban. Um, and I've read his books and, you know, Nick, he's probably a little more, a little more harsh than I would, I would, uh, recommend, but (laughs) he has a lot of good stuff to say. And I also listen to a lot of different sales programs with my business and, one of the things that I've heard that I really like, and I apply this not just to business, but to life, and it, it's this, it goes something like this. It's, they said that you may be able to justify your situation. And most people spend years finding ways to justify their, their misery instead of finding ways to overcome it. And I love that quote because the point behind it is that, and then he went on to say, you may be able to truly justify your misery. You may be in such a tough position and there are reasons, bona fide, legitimate reasons why, but spending your life trying to put together a list of justifications does not change your situation. So do you want to spend your time justifying your misery or do you want to spend your time overcoming your misery? 
And that's and that's all about taking personal responsibility. Sure, we can spend the rest of our lives talking about woe is me on and by the way, I'm not saying the the individual asks questions doing this at all. I'm speaking once again from personal experience. It's easy to to point and say, well, you know, I, I was the victim and this happened and this happened. And by the way, I may have been, you may have been, but just because we can point out that we're victims doesn't mean that we have to stay a victim. Yes. <laughs> we, 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 we can say, yes, we were victims perhaps of a situation, which I would even question that because when you're dealing with, with something like this, I mean, once again, yes, we were doctrinally conditioned, but we, we still believed it and we still continued to believe it. And that's why I think critical thinking is such a, important, important topic. Um, and that may be something we need to discuss in the future, but, or have yes. we already done something? I don't know, but I think it would be good to talk about. But anyway, the point I'm making is that saying, yes, I'm a victim, but I'm no longer going to focus on justifying that. My, my bad situation, I'm going to focus on overcoming it. That in no way takes away from the fact that you perhaps were a victim. What it does is it's refocusing you away from that so that you can have a better future. And well, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, and I was just going to say, and that's that's really where I would put the focus is instead of being upset about all the people who taught you these things, please look at them as people who loved you and were doing what they thought was best. And then once you see that, say, okay, but I also take responsibility for believing it for so many years, but I'm also now taking responsibility for no longer believing it, and I'm going to have a new life with new beliefs. Well, that mantra of personal responsibility, brother, I think that hits it on the head. And I didn't think about it from that angle until you said it. And I think that's super critical because it, I, I can see how someone could be embittered by believing that, you know, in the exclusivity of the quote, one true church and, you know, how that promulgates itself in life and how those, those mentalities and mindsets can manifest themselves. I, I can see that. I can understand that. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I think whenever people begin to say, well, these people only espouse this and continue to talk about it and preach it because they're wicked and they're evil and they're wrong and they just care about themselves and they care about power and they just care about, well, for example, you know, we might use, you know, the, the egalitarian argument, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that, well, women know they don't need to serve within the church. And, and anybody that believes that only believes that because they are misogynistic and they hate women. And that person that's preaching that it's only because they hate women and they don't want to accept the truth about it and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I can't believe that I fell for that. And I thought that, and they're teaching this and that's what I, you know, that's what my church, I grew up in believing. It. It's like, well, first of all, that may not be the case. I know for me, it wasn't the case. I love women. I married the one. So yeah, I like women, but it, it's, I didn't believe that that was the case because I hated women and I wanted to keep them under my thumb. And I thought men were superior to women. I didn't think that at all. I took a literal reading out of context of first Corinthians 11, you know, or 14, 34 and 35 and misappropriated that and use that as the lens by which I viewed the rest of scripture. I believe that because I sincerely believe that that's what God wanted for us to be pleasing in his sight. It wasn't based on hatred, but whenever people harbor that ill will and ill intention, it's a lot easier to cast the person that held that as a villain with nefarious intentions rather than someone who sincerely believes something. Yeah. It's way easier to do that than it is to say, you know what? I believe that and I'm culpable. Yeah. I believe that. And you know what? 
I'm going to take responsibility for that. Taking personal responsibility is incredibly difficult. And that's one of the things I love about Jocko Willink. He's a Navy SEAL. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's written on personal responsibility and taking responsibility. He hosts a podcast. He's a jujitsu black belt. He's a former Navy SEAL. This dude is the man. He has been through it. And his entire MO is on accepting personal responsibility. Yeah. And I think whenever we can accept responsibility for believing what we believed and be honest with ourselves as to why we believed it. Mm hmm. That goes a long way towards releasing that bitterness we may hold towards that perspective and releasing that bitterness against the people that taught us that perspective. Yeah. Because nobody teaches somebody something unless they're a sociopath or a psychopath. Nobody teaches somebody something that's wrong and evil and and just just nefarious because they just get their jollies from it and they just want to perpetuate wickedness in the world. People teach that because they sincerely believe it's the right thing. Yeah. They sincerely believe it and they have good reason to believe it. So give people the benefit of the doubt, take responsibility, and you will likely find yourself changing your perspective on other people. And you'll see that seed of bitterness that may have grown into a great thing begin to wither away. And that's what yeah. we can all hope for. Yeah, it's expect the best. Uh, and if, if you don't get it, still assume the best of intentions. <laughs> yes. And, and when you, when you do that, then it's a lot easier because at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself. I mean, that's what bitterness is. And you are not doing anybody any favors. You're not going to be able, bitterness is so, I, I see it on my, I look at, look at it on myself and it's so ugly, you know, bitterness is some, and it's so clear when someone's bitter. I mean, none of us have ever liked to be cornered by a person so that they can just tell us, um, how wrong they've been, they've, they've been, you know, done and, or how wrong someone's done on me. You know, people are like, okay, you know, moving on here. But it, it's, it's one of those things where we, we all experience it from time to time, but man, just think, just believe the best in other people and also realize that we're all going to see things differently. Yeah. And there's one more thing. And I think we might be able to end with this. There's one important strategy that we can utilize that we haven't talked about yet. And I think this gets to the heart of it. And dude, this, I, it's really hard, especially if you're harboring bitterness at that moment, pray for that person. Yeah. Pray yeah. for them that spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray you for them that you're bitter against because in praying for them, and, and that doesn't mean an imprecatory prayer, like what you see in Psalms, you know, like pray that God will rain fire and brimstone upon their heads and will you yeah, know, it's like, like that old country sterile. song. I'll, I'll pray for you. You know, I'll pray your your car goes out. You know, and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. If, I, I don't know the song because I don't listen to country music because I'm cool. But in any case, <laughs> it was a long time ago, man. I've 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 changed on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can be thankful for that. But oh, no, if, if you pray for people and pray that they'll be blessed, and pray that God will use them for good and for glory. Pray that God will bless them in their endeavors and in life, and you will find your bitterness leaving you. And that's one yeah. of the things C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books. Um, there was a woman who had talked to someone, and she was she was just so angry at her husband. She was ready to divorce him, and he relates a story. I, I think it's in Mere Christianity. I, I don't know if it's in that one or another book that he wrote. 
Um, but she just hated her husband. She was ready to divorce him. She was ready to leave him behind. And she was talking to a marriage counselor and the marriage counselor said, well, then here's what you need to do. He has hurt you so badly. And I mean, this guy, he was clever or, or her, she was clever, whoever the counselor was. And they advised this woman. They said, here's what you need to do because he's hurt you so badly. This will really hurt him. You start make make his favorite meal for him before he gets home from work. You know, have his robe and his slippers ready. Have his favorite show on the television for him ready to watch. You know, show a genuine interest in him and ask him about how his day was. And, you know, wear something nice for him. You know, even do that. You know, really pile it on over the next two to three months while you save up money to get an attorney to file for this divorce. And then whenever you hit him with those divorce papers, bam, it's going to come out of nowhere and it's just going to rip his heart right out of his chest. So a few months later goes by and he says, so how, how close are you to, uh, to file divorce? And she said, file divorce. Why would I want to divorce him? Our marriage is better than it's ever been. <laughs> and CS Lewis's point is, is that Jesus calls us to love our neighbor as ourself, but he also calls us to love our enemies. And sometimes those enemies are those that we are bitter towards. We harbor bitterness towards them. And he says, if you pray for them and if you treat them the way they ought to be treated and you treat them like Jesus wants you to treat them, these people that have wronged you, that you may be bitter against, you will come to find yourself loving them if you act as if you love them. Yeah. And praying for them, because there are some people that may be bitter, that I may have harbored bitterness towards or that I've been frustrated with or upset with, that I might not necessarily want to reach out and talk to just yet. And just because we're called to love everybody doesn't necessarily mean we need to have everybody in our circle. There may be some people we're just not compatible with, that we just don't mesh with, that maybe we just don't get along with. Even though we love them, maybe we just don't enjoy their company. They're just not the people that are for us to have yeah, in our lives. Yeah, well, and I, and I think that's a very important point to bring up because there are relationships and there are things that have been done or people have suffered that are very toxic. And you know, we have to, I think we have to be careful not to, not to assume that means someone needs it to doesn't just, allow you just Yeah. You don't just blow the doors or, open and let them back into your life. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, there, there has to be at times boundaries set, but even when boundaries are set, there still needs to be love in your heart for that person. I mean, there, there's people to this day I love with all my heart who I used to run around with when I was very legalistic. And, um, and I, I do in a, in a lot of ways, um, you know, my old mentor, I mean, I, I miss him. I had a lot of good times with him. Um, but at the same time where I'm at and where he's at in our journeys, um, it, it's not going to allow us to have a close relationship because there are so many different differences. There are so many different things that are, are standing in, in our way, but it doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean that I don't care, you know, care about them, but sometimes our relationships do change and, and, and sometimes they have to, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't still be love for that individual, especially when we talk about, you know, salvinic love and, and, and things of that nature, because, I mean, even Jesus himself only had 12 disciples um, while he was on earth. I mean, he, he, he couldn't be best friends with everybody. And so I think that's a, it's a good point. I'm glad you bring that up, that there are going to be 
sometimes lines that need to be drawn if there's abuse or if there's a lot of toxicity there that they could be hurting you or even the other person uh, where, where people need to move on. But you don't need to harbor those, those hateful feelings toward anyone, even those of your past. Yeah. And I know on a, outside of the realm of faith and doctrinal shifts and paradigm shifts in, in terms of some immediately immediate family members, I know that's been the case with me and there has been some bitterness outside of the realm of this conversation in terms of, of differences in opinion on religion where I have had to deal with some bitterness and some issues and I've had to set some hard boundaries because of toxicity within the last year or so. And it hasn't been easy and releasing that bitterness has not been easy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that helped, and it's weird that I just thought about this at the end of the episode, but whenever I started praying for that person, that's when things began to change for me. And I was able to release that. I don't have any bitterness really in my heart anymore towards them. Yeah. And I hope they're able to overcome what they have been struggling with. And I hope that they're able to become less of a toxic individual, but that doesn't mean that I need to allow them back into my life. Right. I can still pray for them. I've released that bitterness. I really feel like I have forgiven them for that, but for me to allow them back into my life and to not set that boundary would not be a pragmatic solution. And pragmatism, it's, it, it's the thing that recognizes the nature of reality and allows us to move forward within our lives in a way that makes sense and that protects us and looks out and seeks out our best good, you know, and, and sometimes we do need to sacrifice that for others, but that doesn't mean that we make ourselves a doormat or we open ourselves up to more harm and abuse later. Yeah. But, but even so with that being the case, man, this is, this is one of those things that we could discuss for hours, but I, I think this is a good spot for us to wrap up. So do you have anything else you want to share about overcoming bitterness as we move out of legalism before we, before we conclude? No, I'll just uh, say thank you for the, the individual who sent that question in. And if you have any questions, Please send them our way. We will not reveal your name or anything of that nature. We love to know what you're wondering and what you would like us to discuss and hear discussed because th- this is important. These types of we we want you to feel like you're plugged into the community here with exploring faith, pursuing grace, and that's that's what we're all about. Is uh, what did I exploring faith, pursuing grace? Yeah, that, that's yeah, you got it right. Program. Yeah, that's getting late. And, but you uh, got it right. Yeah, I'm like, did I say that wrong? But we we want we really do want you to feel like you're a part of what we're doing. And so a lot of times we may get emails where we just answer back through the email, but we're wanting to start doing more episodes based upon the questions that we're getting because we think that this is uh, this is a good thing for everyone to hear these types of things discussed and. More than likely, if you have the question, someone else probably has the question or is going through some of the similar experiences. And so it's good for people to be able to connect that way, too. Well, and it helps you and me stay plugged in and it helps us stay with it because there may be a topic that we think is super interesting and it may not get, you know, as many downloads as we might think. And there may be something we don't think is that interesting. Like, I didn't think you know, the episode we did on the hair, I mean, I'm like, man, I just don't really think that's all that interesting. And that's been a really popular episode. So, yeah, you know, by giving us your feedback and by sending your questions to us, you know, if we don't answer in the email, we may do an episode on it. We may not do an episode on it, but 
you know, if we if we see enough of the same thing come through, you can pretty well bank on the fact that Kevin and I will discuss it, or even if we don't dedicate a whole episode to it, we'll at least touch on some of these concepts because you guys help keep us plugged into what you're interested in hearing about. And that's what we're here to do. You know, this isn't just my exploration of my faith in the pursuit of God's grace. It's not just Kevin's. You know, we want to represent various perspectives and viewpoints and consider things that maybe we haven't considered before and things that may not even be on our radar. And you guys help keep us in touch with that. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate all of you to the uh, listener that sent the question. We appreciate you. We hope this episode is helpful for you and we hope it serves you well. And as you endeavor to be more Christ-like, And to pursue God's grace, we hope that bitterness towards that past and towards those people isn't something that'll hamper that. And, you know, we realize how hard that can be. So thank you so much, guys. Holler at us if you need anything. If you have any questions, leave us that five-star review on iTunes. Share this podcast on social media. Share it with your friends. Tell your neighbors about it. Share it in church. Talk to people in church about it. We love you all. We thank you all so much. And we wish you all a good night.